Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. Uh, today we're talking about Key Vault. We had some interesting talks about that the other few days, uh, me and Yussi, and thought it would be a good idea to talk about that. So, Yussi, what what you been up to lately? Before we dive into that, what what's up? Uh, things are good. Uh, I've been quite busy with a couple of Azure services. I I did a couple of presentations for some European events lately, and one of those was on Azure Container Instances. And I've been using containers uh, in and out uh, in in a few projects for real, meaning that I actually have to struggle and get them up and running. But with Azure Container Instances, that was one of the services I wanted to try out because I wouldn't have to learn everything about Kubernetes or everything about building those those containers. Mm -hmm. And and it felt quite easy. And and to me, when when I really started using them, I was a bit surprised that they are rather cheap in the end. And because they're built by the second, you can actually have something up and running and then shut them down on Friday when obviously you go home and you don't need anything in Azure for the weekend and, and then have them later on on Monday start up again. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they spin up real fast. If you compare to setting up a cluster with Kubernetes AKS, that takes some time, but a container instance is just right there. Yeah. But I also realized that if you use container instances, you really have to do Azure CLI. So the portal gives you plenty of options when you spin them up and when you need to configure them. But once they're up and running, there's really nothing you can do. You have to go back to Azure Cloud Shell or run it locally, then do your AZ scripts and rerun something to modify something that already exists. So that's kind of the key takeaway for me, that if you want to go with ACI, Azure Container Instances, you have to be quite fluent with Azure CLI as well. Yeah, and the CLI has developed in the right direction. It is a super powerful tool. I use it every single day. And I combine that with my partial scripts, and it just works. It is so slick. One one of the things that uh, that frustrates me to no end with Azure CLI is that I normally run Windows 10 on, on my workstations. I have a couple. And then if I open Azure Cloud Shell from the portal, it opens a Bash shell for me. So all of my scripts using environment variables on Windows, meaning BAT files and CMD files, they stop working and I have to modify them just a little bit to have them running on, on the Linux-based shell as well. Right. Yeah, I, I'm an all-in Windows guy, so I just do everything on my laptop. Yeah, I, probably, I don't even go to the cloud shell to do that. <laughs> I, I probably need to start doing the same. So, so for me, it's been container instances mostly. What about for you? I've been looking a lot at Azure Log Analytics. Um, last year, I wrote a piece on how to push data from your custom applications to Log Analytics uh, using C Sharp and .NET Core. And what I did now, when I saw that Azure Sentinel came out, um, was to kind of update that so it can send security events to Log Analytics. And then you can ingest that in your Azure Sentinel from your own custom applications. Uh, so that's what I've been playing around a lot with. And 
you know, the capabilities of log analytics and then ingesting that into Sentinel is pretty strong. Uh, you can get a lot of data in there and a lot of data quickly. So you can do a lot of batch inserts. And with Sentinel, you get the rules and the dashboards and you can take action and you can hook up your run books and, you know, things like that. And it's, I like this idea of putting everything into a queryable format, which is log analytics. So you can use your KQL queries and just ask log, log analytics for any data that's in there. And that's pretty much what uh, Sentinel does as well. And then you have the nice dashboards to, to display that data. So I've been doing a lot of diagnostics, logging, um, yeah, security events and stuff like this. So that's been, that's been a fun journey as well. I, I really enjoy log analytics as of lately because it's it's kind of seeing this refreshment in the sense that Azure Sentinel relies fully on log analytics. And, and back in the day, uh, I think five, six, seven years ago, we had OMS, the Operations Management Suite, which was kind of the system center in the cloud for managing your, your virtual machines and, and assets. And that relied on log analytics as well, but it had this kind of artificial layer built on top of it. And, and it hid a lot of the interesting stuff you had in log analytics. Yeah. And now if I look at a virtual machine or or if I look at anything that gathers logs, it's log analytics always. So I'm happy that when we get new services like Azure Sentinel, that I can use my existing knowledge and experience from log analytics without having to learn something totally different that kind of would do the same as log analytics does for me. Yeah, and it's the same query language. So if you know that, you can query wherever your data goes and however you want to present that. If you know how to query the data, then you can visualize it, you can group it, you can order it, you can filter it any way you want. So that's pretty cool. Uh, one, of, one of the things that uh, I wouldn't say I'm struggling with it, but I, I keep thinking about it is that if I need to fetch something from my logs, if I need to figure out something, make a business decision based on something I have in my logs, is that do I use Power BI to use the more graphical things and, and not really needing to worry about the actual query that much? Or, or do I create a KQL query and actually learn more about how to construct the query and optimize that? But if it's a one-off, I typically go with Power BI. But if I feel that I might need this in the future as well, then I try and spend a bit more time on, on creating the actual query with KQL. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and another thing with log analytics is if you, since I want to talk a little bit about key vaults um, in Azure, if you enable di diagnostics for a key vault, that also sends data to a log analytics workspace. So again, everything that you have or a lot of services you have that ties together diagnostics and logging goes into log analytics. So that's pretty cool. So one, one, one could maybe argue that log analytics, regardless if you're an IT pro, a developer, or something in between, some would call you, you've been an architect in that, that sentence, uh, you would have to know log analytics, a bit like everybody needs to know the basics on Azure AD. And, and I feel log analytics is becoming more and more important, and, and you need to know the basics and the essence of that service too. Yeah. I think that's a a fair point. And I mean, getting started with it is super easy. If you do that from the portal or from the Azure CLI, it doesn't really matter. It takes about a minute and you're up and running. 
Um, and it's a good point from the developer perspective. It's important to know where do you want to send your data? Do you want to have an iLogger in your code if you are a C-sharp guy? And where do you want to send the data? Is that a, just App Insights or is it Log Analytics or is it some other custom uh, thing that you've built or other logging framework? And you know, with, with this API that comes with Log Analytics, it's super easy to just send it in there and then you can do whatever you want with it. Then your IT pros or administrators, system architects, whoever it is that need to take a look at the data, they can do that from Azure. Yep, agreed. So Key Vault, that's, that's kind of the topic for today. Uh, I've been on and off with Key Vault. I, I started using it back in the day when it, when it became available. But often, perhaps I'm too lazy or I'm too busy. If if I need something that I feel Key Vault is providing me with, I, I simply store my secrets in a, in a web app configuration. So, so why should I worry about Key Vault or should I start using Key Vault more? Yes. <laughs> okay. that, that's the short answer. We're done. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's a lot of answers to that question with a lot of angles. Um, if you do something super easy dev on your local machine and that will never see the light of, of day, then, you know, I, I couldn't care less. But if that application is reaching out to something, and I've seen this recently where a developer has a local app and they do development, but that app is connecting to an Azure AD application using a client ID and a secret, mm -hmm. Right. And the application is already trusted by multiple organizations, right? To add, because the app has access to whatever data that the app requests. And people, they accept it. Now, what if I told someone that the credentials of that application is not stored safely? They're just in a config file, right? Yep. Or maybe in Azure DevOps in a pipeline in clear text. Or maybe they are on a localhost app settings.json file. That application has access to customer data or to your tenant data or to, you know, whatever, if you trusted your Azure subscription or you trusted something else, right? And, and this goes for whatever you connect. This was a, an example with Azure AD, um, but the same goes if you develop for Dropbox APIs or whatever that requires some underlying API or app. If you don't protect those credentials and someone gets a hold of it, you know, then anyone can access that and eventually access anything that that app has access to. Um, so it's it's important to use it from a lot of angles. Uh, I'm coming a bit from the solution architecture angle. So there's the the whole IT pro why you want to keep things secure in your infrastructure, and that's something I also want to talk about. Uh, but also from the developer perspective, because the reason I want to bring that up is a lot of people seem to miss when we have these dialogues that even in your local host. If you are on Visual Studio 2019, for example, and you debug your application, maybe it's a web app, maybe it's a console app, maybe it's a container app, doesn't matter. If you want to debug that, a lot of people just put the app setting file with the credentials, yep. right? Or use the secret manager on your Windows box or however you do that. But that's not good enough. If you want to protect those credentials, you should use managed identities and completely avoid a client ID in secret. And that works in Visual Studio, for example, if you just hit F5. If you have configured your code to use managed identities, it will use the identity of the debugger. So if you are signed into Visual Studio with your account that has access to the key vault, that's going to work. 
without credentials. Now, if I give you that entire solution and source code and you run it, it's not going to work because you don't have access. Exactly. But if yeah. I give you that solution and the credentials are in there, then obviously you will be able to access it. And so that's that's one point. And and using managed identity is the way I see it is something you should not think twice about. You configure a managed identity, you tell it you have access to the key vault, um, and that's it. So if you run an Azure app service or a function in the cloud, and you want those guys to talk to your Azure key vault, you don't use app settings to put the credentials in there. What happens if you, for example, have show error message enabled and your application crashes and dumps all the app settings on the screen? All the credentials in plain text, right? And that ha happens more often than you can think. So if you move that out of app config or app settings into the vault and it crashes for some other reason, there's no sensitive data that can be shared. So there's a lot of angles to to why that would be interesting. And and in that notion, I should then uh, I should spin up a key vault. I should store all my secrets in there. So that would in include the uh, the identities, the passwords, the connection strings, the the server names, whatever I feel should be kept uh, secret and and it's confidential enough that in case somebody sees the clear text of everything I have running, they wouldn't be able to. Uh, use that data to to do something they shouldn't be using. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And whenever, wherever I draw the line, if you do a security audit or if you are the architect doing some development, it's always, can this be considered sensitive data? Um, not sensitive as in like user records, whatever that goes into a database, because mm -hmm. then you need to encrypt the database and then put it in the database. Yeah. But if if it's, Connection strings, like you say, API keys, things like that, things that are uh, keys to the kingdom. Uh, sensitive data, you have keys, you have secrets, you have certificates. So there's different things you can put in the vault. So you have encryption keys. If you want to use some hardware-backed encryption with the key vault, uh, you have the secret secrets, which is the, the, the thing that pe people mostly use um, as developers. And that's like a key value pair you have. Just like you can access them pretty much the same way you access your settings in uh, in app settings. Just you point to your key vault instead and say, I want to get this setting with this key, and then you get the value of the secret. Yeah. Um, and then you have certificates. So if you have um, custom certificates for your web apps or your domains, then you can put that there. You can also connect your key vault to a CA or a certificate authority. So you can hook up certificates directly in there. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so, so do I need one key vault for everything? So, let's say I've got one Azure AD tenant, and that's connected to one Azure subscription. But that subscription runs different products and services for me. It would run my public-facing website. It would run my internal billing system. It would run something for for business logic and business data as well. Would it be enough to have one key vault that all of those services could access? Or should I have one key vault per service or per region or something else? That's a very valid question. Uh, I did see someone mentioning a while back that it would make sense to have a single key vault because it's easy to manage the access to the vault. But the problem is you should never do that. In, in my point of view, you should always have that as granular as you can. So what I do is I have it per service or per offering. 
uh, or per product uh, on that level because you want to apply network restrictions. You want to apply maybe what VNet or subnet can actually access to Key Vault. So you, even if you have an identity who has an access policy to actually see what's in the vault, mm-hmm. if you're not calling in from the right network, you're still rejected. Uh, and if you have a single Key Vault and you have 40 different products or systems and all of them need to be able to talk to the Key Vault, then you need to enable a lot of access, right? So for every service or for every product or for every project or however you define, you know, the scope of whatever you're doing, put a vault there. Okay. And don't be afraid to put multiple vaults. Vaults and vault transactions are pretty cheap if you keep the transactions in the same region as if it's a web app calling in and the web app is in West Europe and the vault is in West Europe, then the transaction is not going to cost you a lot and you can do a lot of them. Um, so there, there's a lot of things you can do with with access policies and and firewalls and things like that to restrict the access. And I would rather do that quite granularly. So if you have multiple vaults, each of them has their own unique definitions of who can access it, what identities have access. Does it have access to a principal with client ID or secret, or is it only managed identities, or can it only call in from specific networks? All right, uh, because what I often see, and, and I quite like the approach myself as well, is that if you build solutions on Azure, you have one resource group per service. And if it's a production one, you have one RG for that. The dev one has a different one. So in this context, I would then spin up Key Vault per resource group. That would be the case in, in that scenario, yes. Um and and you should never have the same vault in production and development. Yeah, yeah, of this, course. This not. is super important because uh, a lot of people take the shortcut there and saying, you know, it's we already have the connection to the vault, so let's just use that. And that's not a good idea, obviously. So if you if you have a dev workload and a production workload in different resource groups, and this is how you group things, then yeah, sure, that's how you can do it. Um, some design patterns from Microsoft also recommend that you use resource groups. Uh, per type of resource or per the uh, retention of the resources in that group. So if it's some something that you know you will delete and add later or you know what have you, then maybe that goes into a separate resource group altogether, but maybe there's no vault in there. And then you can keep your vault in a in a different group and that's also okay. Yeah, my 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 thinking here is that I shouldn't keep removing and and provisioning my key vault over and over again because then I would have to populate the secrets back there and and that would mean I would have to store the secrets someplace else first so if I'm doing this traditional sort of devops approach that I have a test environment I do nightly releases nightly builds from Azure devops to one resource group and then in the morning my team can test whatever was was deployed last night, would it mean that I would retain my key vault throughout these provisionings and and provision everything else around it? It's a good question, and it depends. Uh, If everything that you have, if your product or if if you have a DevOps routine set up that is deploying a specific product or a specific offering, uh, offering in a customer's Azure tenant, and that includes a key vault, then you spin one up every time you you run that. 
because you need to make sure that everything gets created correctly. Access policies are there. Uh, whatever secrets you want to put in there, they get in there. And using ARM templates, you can even define that in the actual template. So using DevOps and ARM templates together is super slick. And you can have this every night to deploy the entire resource group with all the resources and then have a, a script that runs testing on it to ensure that everything comes out green. If it does not, then something failed and you need to take a look at that. Um, so from that angle, you can reprovision it. But if you are in production or dev and you don't reprovision those resources every single day, then you don't change your key vault. You put the key vault there, you secure it, you lock it down with access policies, and then you lock it down with access restrictions using firewalls and virtual networks. And then that's it. Then you put the secrets in and then you use it. Okay. So you don't have to do do that or redo that every night. And especially if you're in production, of course, then it makes no sense to change it. Um, what you do uh, do change regularly, though, is something that a lot of people also overlook. So you put your secrets in, right? Today, but now it's been six months, mm-hmm. right, or or a year. Are those secrets the same, or do they need to be updated? And if they are the same with no expiration date, an example is an Azure storage account. When you create an Azure storage account, you also get access key one and key two, yep. and these are global keys with full access to do whatever you want inside of that storage account. People usually take this key and put as a secret in the vaults, and then the vault can access the storage account. Um, so on a, on a different topic that we can take in another episode is with SaaS policies and securing that in a different way to access your storage account. But imagining now you have this connection string to do whatever you want in the storage account, you might want to cycle those keys. Right, And if you keep the keys in the key vault, then you can automate that. You can have a, an Azure runbook and, and from a PowerShell script, you can just ensure that you update the keys in the key vault or the secrets in the key vault and then cycle the keys in the storage account. And this is something that you want to do with all services where you can actually change the keys. Yeah, and for this scenario, you have two keys for every storage account. So you can recycle one key, keep using the other key, then recycle that later, especially for for, uh, virtual machines. It makes sense because if you update the key and the VM running from that storage doesn't have the new key yet, it will immediately, of course, shut down or or, or fail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and, and this is a good point that you bring up, and maybe this is... You know, just just thinking about it, how you would cycle keys. Maybe this is an entire episode of its own, because uh, <laughs> there's quite some intricacies you can do with that. Um, but it, it's it, the short story of that is it's exactly what you say. You cycle one of the keys, you keep the other one, because if your system is relying on that key, then you just sw- switch it in the system instead. So there's always a fallback in your code. If the key number one does not work, you use key number two, because that will always work until key number one is refreshed. And then when that's refreshed, that's going to work again. And then you go and change number two. So then you can change all the secrets without impacting anything that's running in production. Got it. So do I need to back up my key vault? If I provision one key vault for production, one for test, one for, for development, and, and I populate those key vaults perhaps manually first or perhaps using a script, and they are doing well and running for two years now, do I need to 
back up my key vault along with the secrets or do I export everything every six months just in case somebody accidentally deletes the key vault? Yeah. Um, so first of all, you can set locks also both on the research group and on the key vault. So you cannot by accident delete it. Mm -hmm. But then if you by accident go in and delete the lock and disable the lock and then by accident also disable the lock in the research group and then by accident delete your key vault, <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of accidents happened, uh, but it also may not be an accident. So backing up things is always recommended. And I would say that's not specific to key vaults. I would say that's specific to, or more general on any type of resource that does not have built-in backups, you have to figure out what happens in case of a disaster, Yep. right? So if, if you are in production and you have 50 keys to access various apps, and the only place you can know the, the value of that is in your key vault, and that's locked down. What happens if the vault is deleted? No access. Yep. Right. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's by design that if the vault goes away or something is compromised, then everything is locked down. That's good. But what if it's not? What if you need a failover? Then you need to start thinking, how do I back that up? Do you programmatically or via script go into the key vault, put every secret that's in there in a new key vault in another region or even another subscription or... You know, there's multiple ways you can do that, but that's again a separate topic. And maybe maybe another idea for a show we want to talk about is how do you back up resources in Azure? Because I have yep. a lot of ideas around that. Yep, definitely. That that would be an interesting topic. Or you could go with the with the sort of lazy ID Pro way, create a logic app that iterates through everything in Key Vault and sends an email to you with all the secrets. Oh, no. No. <laughs> That's why we need access policies and lock things down so this IT pro guy cannot go and do that. Okay, noted. So so to recap a bit on, on Key Vault now, uh, typically I would need more than one Key Vault, perhaps per resource or per per environment in that sense. Uh, and and I need to store my secrets in Key Vault as opposed to using a web app configuration or Azure Function configuration settings. And I need to then lock down my Key Vault, meaning I need to put access policies. I need to specify who and what and from where can access my Key Vault, including VNets and, and what have you. Yep. Uh, and for backup, it's something I would probably have to build myself in the sense that I would I would scan through the key vault and, and perhaps export stuff to a different key vault or to a more secure place in the future, just in case uh, the key vault gets lost or deleted or, or it corrupts something, or we feel that something is missing from the key vault, it shouldn't be deleted, and I perhaps didn't have logging on. Yeah. Okay, anything I'm missing? Yeah, uh, one final thing. I don't know if I mentioned that before. It's diagnostic settings mm -hmm. for the key vault. So that's also maybe not directly related to protecting the key vaults as such, but diagnostic settings is also something that a lot of people seem to miss. If you enable that, your key vault will automatically send logs to, again, Azure Log Analytics, right? So when someone is trying to attempt your key vault, but they get a failure in authorization or authentication, that will be logged. If you do not enable diagnostics, you will never know that. So if you enable that, you can define the retention of how long you want those logs to be there. Then you can query it. Who queried my key vault? From where? Where did they access it? Uh, you know, how is my key vault being used? How many requests do I get per second? You know, all this data will go into 
the log analytics, and then you can you know do whatever you want with it. So there, all the data will be there, and then you can decide what data you actually want. Okay, so one final thought on Key Vault. I've, I've got my Key Vaults up and running. Everything is is great, but when I get started with Key Vault, do I just open the Key Vault from Azure portal after provisioning it and start adding my secrets manually? You can do that. Um, if if you're just dabbing around and, and trying things, the absolutely easiest way for someone who never used Key Vault is go to portal.azure.com, create a resource group, put a Key Vault in there, go to secrets, start adding your secrets. That's it. So from, from that angle, it's fairly easy to get started. If we're talking more production scenarios, then you can also use the CLI. Uh, even in dev, you can use the CLI. You can use ARM templates to automate that. Because yep. if you need to set up the same key vault with the same set of secrets, even if the values are different, if you need to do that multiple times or iteratively you know, over the course of every night, if you have a build and maybe integration testing and whatever you have, then you do an ARM template uh, or a script uh, because you can also just use the CLI to create it if you want that. Um, so there's multiple ways you can go around. Uh, if you've never done it, I do recommend the portal, um, even though command line is super cool, whatever. If you go into the portal, you get the graphical understanding of what's inside the key vault. You can see in the menu, there's going to be the activity log, the access control. Uh, there's the keys, secrets, certificates, access policies, firewalls, and virtual networks. You can see the properties. You can even export that key vault as a template. So after you add your secrets in the portal, and then you say, now I want to do this every night, then you can click export template, and you will get all the secrets in there without the values. So you can actually reuse that in a deployment template. Um, you can also see all the alerts. You can set up alerts. You can see the metrics and diagnostic settings and you know all these things. So I would recommend actually going to the portal because you get the graphical understanding of, uh, you know, what is included in the box of the key vault. Yep. Um, and each of those menu items and, and each of those things I just listed, when you go into the menu and select it, it will explain this. You have alerts because those reasons. So for example, you can set up alerts when someone makes an administrative action in your key vault. So someone changes an access policy, bam, immediately send an alert. So there's a lot of things you can do. If you use the CLI, it might be more difficult to understand what's actually included in the capabilities. So step number one, go to the portal, play around with it, understand it. When you do understand it, you know it's up to you. Do you want to deploy it from an ARM template, the CLI, PowerShell, you know, whatever, even from C sharp, you can do that. So cool. Um I recently did the AZ500 certification exam. Was it so that you've done it as well? I did do that. Um, that was a challenge, I tell you. Um, I come from the, the more solution architecture and development track in, in the back of my career. And this certification pushed me a lot to study and study and study in an area that I was not as comfortable with. Yep. given my experience. So yeah, I, I did do that. I did pass it. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy for that. It was pretty tricky. What, what's your take on, on um, that one? I, I come perhaps from a bit more IT pro and system architecture side. 
than you and and uh, and and way less development experience. And and when I started preparing for the AZ five hundred, I saw that there there were a lot of things around IT in that sense, like VNets and and access control lists, key vaults, uh, log analytics, virtual machines. How do you secure storage accounts? Those were on the on the requirements for the exam. So I prepped somewhat, but perhaps not as much as, as I should have. And when I went into the exam, I felt quite good about myself, like I normally do, but especially good about myself with, with a good cup of coffee before this. Some studies suggest that if you have an intake of caffeine before an exam, it will it will uh, raise your IQ by one or two points. So I figured that will help me through the exam. And uh, when I went to the exam, uh, the first five questions were super complex, super hard, all over the place, and and that kind of kind of uh, was was a wake up call for me. Okay, perhaps this is a bit more challenging than I was expecting it to be, and. About twenty percent of the exam in the requirements uh, dictate that that it will be around key vault and log analytics, and those two I know, but I don't frequently every every week work with them. So I've, I would definitely recommend that if you're thinking about the AZ five hundred, the Azure Security Exam, that key vault storage accounts, log analytics, securing access, those those are core to understanding how things work in terms of security for Azure. Yep, yep. That's a good tip. Maybe we can do a show actually on certifications because I think you have a lot of insights there. I mean, you have, you've wrote a blog post recently that I read about certifications and like the the image of the certifications you have is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I have, I don't know, half of that, not even that. So you have the experience on taking the exams how to study for the exams, where to look up the the right material to study for the exams and stuff like that. So maybe this is something we can talk about in the next show. Yeah, let, let's let's definitely do an episode on that. And I'm especially proud about my Windows NT 4.0 MCSE exam I did in 1997. It's yeah, quite relevant though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not expired, is it? <laughs> no, or at least I hope so. It still shows in my transcript. So, so whenever I meet with customers and they ask about my experience, I show them my NT4 exams. Yeah, you, you start from the bottom and, and yeah. you know, work your way up. Yeah, <laughs> spend the next 20 minutes talking about those. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> All righty. So I think we've got a really good uh, understanding and overview on Key Vault. And, and let's add on the show notes some of the resources we mentioned here here about learning more about KeyVault. Yep, sounds good. Then thank you for today, Yusi. Thank you, Tobias. It, it was fun as always. Yeah, all right. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.